Welcome once again to our celebration of Christmas with more music and especially carols. Come with us again to Bethlehem and worship Christ our Saviour, lying wrapped in swaddling clothes in a cattle trough in a stable. Let's join the shepherds, the wise men, and sing with the heavenly hosts the glory due to his name. Let's commence today with the Jonesboro Baptist Church Choir in Georgia with a medley called Christmas Around the World.
Sandy Patty then with Angels We Have Heard On High. Now Welsh singer Alan Jones brings us John Rutter's composition Candlelight Carol and then we'll hear Anna Maria Albergetti with Star Carol. How do you capture the wind on the water? How do you count all the stars in the sky? How can you measure the love of a mother? Or how can you write down a baby's first cry? Candlelight, angel Firelight and star glow Shine on his cradle Till breaking of dawn Gloria, Gloria In excelsis day Angels are singing The Christ child is born And wise men will kneel and adore him. Seraphim around him their vigil will keep. Nations proclaim him their Lord and their Saviour. At Mary will hold him and sing And star glow shine on his cradle till breaking of dawn. Gloria, Gloria, in excelsis day. Angels are singing, the Christ child is i 
Catherine Jenkins teamed up with Jackie Uvancho then with the beautiful Silent Night. You're with Heart and Soul's special program for Christmas Part 2. If you haven't heard Part 1 of this program, do go to our podcast site and download it. This is David Evans, your host. What would Christmas be without the shepherds on the hills and the angelic choir? Let's hear the carol while shepherds watch their flocks by night. Our feature now is another folk tale of Christmas called The Happy Prince, featuring the voices of Bing Crosby and Orson Welles. Sit back and enjoy the marvellous retelling of this story. The Happy Prince is the story of a majestic statue that looks down over a city. The statue is of a prince who had an easy, luxurious life, completely unconcerned by what was happening beyond the walls of his castle. Now he is tied to that immobile, sumptuous statue bathed in gold and with precious stones. But don't let me spoil it for you by telling you all about it. Listen now to The Happy Prince. High above the city, on a tall column, stood the statue of the Happy Prince. He was gilded all over with thin leaves of fine gold. For eyes he had two bright sapphires, and a large ruby glowed on his sword hilt. He was very much admired indeed, 
One night, there flew over the city a little swallow on his way south to the pyramids in Egypt. He stopped when he saw the statue on the tall column. I will put up here for the night. It is a fine position with plenty of fresh air. I have a golden bedroom. Just as the swallow prepared to go to sleep, a large drop of water fell on him. What a curious thing. There's not a single cloud in the sky, and yet it's raining. The climate here in the north is really dreadful. Then another drop fell. What is the use of a statue if it cannot keep the rain off? I must look for a good chimney pot. But before he had opened his wings, a third drop fell, and he looked up and saw what did he see. The eyes of the happy prince were filled with tears, and tears were running down his golden cheeks. Who are you? I am the happy prince. Why are you weeping then? When I was alive and had a human heart, I did not know what tears were. My courtiers called me the happy prince, and happy indeed I was. If pleasure be happiness. Now that I am dead, I am up here so high I can see all the ugliness and all the misery of my city. And though my heart is made of lead, yet I cannot choose but weep. What? Is he not solid gold? The swallow said this to himself. He was too polite to make any personal remarks out loud. Far away, far away in a little street, there is a poor house. One of the windows is open, and through it I can see a woman seated at a table. Her face is thin and worn, and she has coarse red hands, all pricked by the needle, for she is a seamstress. She is embroidering passion flowers on a satin gown for the loveliest of the queen's maids of honor to wear at the next court ball. In a bed in the corner of the room, her little boy is lying ill. He has a fever and is asking for oranges. His mother has nothing to give him but river water, so he's crying. Swallow, little swallow, will you not bring her the ruby out of my sword hilt? My feet are fastened to this pedestal, and I cannot move. I am waited for in Egypt. My friends are flying up and down the Nile and talking to the large lotus flowers. Swallow, little swallow, will you not stay with me for one night and be my messenger? The boy is so thirsty, and the mother is so sad. It is very cold here, but I will stay with you for one night and be your messenger. Thank you, little swallow. So the swallow picked out the great ruby from the prince's sword and flew away with it in his beak over the roofs of the town. He passed by the palace and heard the sound of dancing. A beautiful girl came out on the balcony with her lover. How wonderful the stars are and how wonderful is the power of love. I hope my dress will be ready in time for the state ball. I have ordered passion flowers to be embroidered on it, but the seamstresses are so lazy. He passed over the river and saw the lanterns hanging to the masts of the ships. And at last he came to the poor house and looked in. The boy was tossing feverishly on his bed, and the mother had fallen asleep. She was so tired. In he hopped and laid the great ruby on the table beside the woman's thimble. Then the swallow flew back to the happy prince and told him what he had done. It is curious, but I feel quite warm now. Although it is so cold. And that's because you have done a good action. And the little swallow began to think. And then he fell asleep. Thinking always made him sleepy. When day broke, he flew down to the river and had a bath. Tonight, I go to Egypt. The swallow was in high spirits at the prospect. When the moon rose, 
He flew back to the happy prince. Have you any commissions for Egypt? I'm just starting. Swallow, will you not stay with me one night longer? I am waited for in Egypt. Swallow, swallow, little swallow. Far away across the city, I see a young man in a garret. He is leaning over a desk covered with papers. He's trying to finish a play for the director of the theater, but it's too cold to write anymore. There is no fire in the grate, and hunger has made him faint. I will wait with you one night longer. Shall I take him another ruby? Alas, I have no ruby now. My eyes are all that I have left. They are made of rare sapphires which were brought out of India a thousand years ago. Pluck out one of them and take it to him. He will sell it to the jeweler, buy firewood, finish his play. Dear Prince, I cannot do that. Swallow. Swallow, little swallow, do as I command you. So the swallow plucked out the prince's eye and flew away to the student's garret. It was easy enough to get in, as there was a hole in the roof. Through this he darted and came into the room. The young man had his head buried in his hands, so he did not hear the flutter of the bird's wings. And when he looked up, he found the beautiful sapphire. I am beginning to be appreciated. This is from some great admirer. Now I can finish my play. The next night, the swallow flew back to the happy prince. I am come to bid you goodbye. Swallow, swallow, little swallow. Will you not stay with me one night longer? It is winter and the chill snow will soon be here. In Egypt, the sun is warm on the green palm trees. My companions are building a nest in the temple of Baalbek. In the square below, there stands a little match girl. She has let her matches fall in the gutter, and they are all spoiled. Her father will beat her if she doesn't bring home some money, and she is crying. She has no shoes or stockings, and her little head is bare. Pluck out my other eye and give it to her, and her father will not beat her. I will stay with you one night longer, but I cannot pluck out your eye. You will be quite blind there. Swallow, swallow, little swallow, do as I command you. So the swallow plucked the prince's other eye and darted down with it. He swooped past the match girl and slipped the jewel into the palm of her hand. Then the swallow came back to the prince. You are blind now, so I will stay with you always. No, little swallow, you must go away to Egypt. I will stay with you always. And he slept at the prince's feet. All the next day he sat on the prince's shoulder and told him stories of what he had seen in strange lands. He told him of the red ibises who stand in long rows on the banks of the Nile and catch goldfish in their beaks. Of the sphinx who is as old as the world itself and lives in the desert and knows everything. Of the king of the mountains of the moon who worships a large crystal. Of the great green snake that sleeps in a palm tree and has 20 priests to feed it with honey cakes. And of the pygmies who sail over a big lake on large, flat leaves and are always at war with the butterflies. Dear little swallow, you tell me of marvelous things, but more marvelous than anything is the suffering of men and women. There is no mystery so great as misery. Fly over my city, little swallow, and tell me what you see there. So the swallow flew over the great city and saw the rich making merry in their beautiful houses while the beggars were sitting at the gates. He flew into dark lanes and saw the white faces of starving children looking out listlessly at the black streets. Then he flew back 
and told the prince what he had seen. I am covered with fine gold. You must take it off leaf by leaf and give it to the poor. Leaf after leaf of the fine gold, the swallow picked off until the happy prince looked quite dull and gray. Leaf after leaf of the fine gold the swallow brought to the poor, and the children's faces grew rosier, and they laughed and played games in the street. Then the snow came, and after the snow came the frost, the streets looked as if they were made of silver. They were so bright and glistening. Long icicles like crystal daggers hung down from the eaves of the houses. Everybody went about in furs, and the little boys wore scarlet caps and skated on the ice. The poor little swallow grew colder and colder, but he would not leave the prince. He loved him too well. He picked up crumbs outside the baker's door when the baker was not looking and tried to keep himself warm by flapping his wings. But at last he knew that he was going to die. He had just enough strength to fly up to the prince's shoulder once more. Goodbye, dear prince. Will you let me kiss your hand? I'm glad that you are going to Egypt at last, little swallow. You have stayed too long here. It is not to Egypt that I'm going. I'm going to the house of death. Death is the brother of sleep, is he not? And he kissed the happy prince on the lips and fell down dead at his feet. At that moment, a curious crack sounded inside the statue, as if something had broken. The fact is that the leaden heart had snapped right in two. It certainly was a dreadfully hard frost. Early the next morning, the mayor was walking in the square below in company with the town councillors. As they passed the column, he looked up at the statue. Dear me, how shabby the happy prince looks. And here is actually a dead bird at his feet. We must really issue a proclamation that birds are not to be allowed to die here. So they pulled down the statue of the happy prince and melted it in a furnace. We must have another statue, of course. And it shall be a statue of myself. Of myself. Of myself. Of myself. Said each of the town councillors, and they quarreled. When I last heard of them, they were quarreling still. What a strange thing, said the overseer of the workmen at the foundry. This broken lead heart will not melt in the furnace. We must throw it away. So they threw it on a dust heap, where the dead swallow was also lying. Bring me the two most precious things in the city, said God to one of his angels. And the angel brought in the leaden heart and the dead bird. You have rightly chosen, said God. For in my garden of paradise, this little bird shall sing forevermore. And in my city of gold, the happy prince shall praise me.
That was Hillsong then with Rejoice. This is Heart and Soul's Christmas Feast of Songs and Carols Part 2. In Luke 2 and verse 5 we read, Joseph went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. I want to talk to you about the candle of love. You know, we take so much of God's nature for granted. We readily believe that he not only loves us, but that he also loves the world. God loves his people, and furthermore, he loves his enemies. And the fact that God loves the whole world is a New Testament concept. Nowhere in the Old Testament does it say that God loved the whole world. It's implied, but it's never really stated. Now, this revolutionary idea sprang into theology, full-blown in the life of Jesus, and God dramatically showed his love for Jews and Gentiles by becoming a man, He both personified that idea and demonstrated it. Thus, the candle of love we light when we come to Christmas is the last of the four candles of the Advent wreath. It shines brightly with candles of hope, peace and joy. And when we light the centre candle representing Christ, we can now look at our text and we can see the qualities of this candle which is called love. There was a census required by Caesar Augustus, and it was a familiar event in the Roman Empire. A a census was taken every 14 years, and each family was required to return to its tribal headquarters. So Joseph took Mary with him to Bethlehem, a journey of about 80 miles. Travellers of Joseph's day knew nothing of our modern system of hotels and motels. Accommodations were primitive. Thus Mary and Joseph were not shocked or angry when the innkeeper suggested a place in the stable. The fact that there was no room for them in the inn was symbolic of Jesus' life. People's hearts were overcrowded throughout his earthly ministry and that condition still exists today. 
We don't have time for him. He is continually put out in the barn because there is no room for him in the main house. Our text says that Mary was expecting a child. She had received this promise of God with both incredulousness and faith. And when the angel told her she would bear a son, she responded, How will this be, since I am a virgin? Her question did not indicate rejection of the idea, but rather that it was a mystery to her. When the angel explained how the promise of God would be accomplished, she responded in faith, I am the Lord's servant, may it be to me as you have said. Mary's obedience represented devoted love. It was obvious to her that she had been given a very great honour, and she adopted the attitude of whatever God says, I will accept. If only all of God's servants would have this attitude. Joseph also responded to God's promise with love. God was promising to restore the kingdom of Joseph's forefather David. It was as obvious to Joseph as it was to Mary that God cared for him deeply. And although Mary and Joseph didn't understand all that was involved in God's law, they readily accepted their part in the drama of Christmas. They were determined to be worthy to the trust that God had placed in them. God still places such trust in humankind today. We too must determine to be worthy of God's promises of love. Love is certainly the most powerful of all human emotions. It compels people to do illogical things. Love will make a man rush into a burning building to save his family. Love will make a soldier sacrifice his life on a battlefield for his country. Love will cause parents to undergo many hard sacrifices for their children. None of these actions make sense to a person who does not know how to love deeply. But all of this is only human love. Godly love is deeper and stronger than human love. Joseph loved Mary and Mary loved Joseph and they both loved God. But God's love for Mary and Joseph was the same love he has for the whole world. He doesn't just love the preacher in the pulpit. He loves the worst criminal. God's love is so strong that all of human history is centered around this one event. Before the foundation of earth, God had already determined to bring Christ into the world to save us from our sins. The first Christmas was predestined before Adam and Eve. The star, the wise men, the shepherds, the inn and the manger were all in God's mind as he dealt with Abraham, Moses, David and Isaiah. And all of this was a result of God's powerful love. It was the power of God's love that compelled him to take on human flesh and to die on a cross. Again, to the non-believer, such love seems like nonsense. But therein lies the unexplainable power of love. In Luke 2, 6 and 7, the Christmas story reaches its pinnacle. Whilst they were there, the time for the baby to be born came, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. The focal point of God's love is now centered in one person, Jesus. History has never been at a higher point than at this moment. Never before has heaven witnessed so great a demonstration of the majesty of God's love than was accomplished at Bethlehem. This love brought music to heaven. The excitement of God's activity was becoming more understandable to both angels and humankind. The night was split by heaven's rejoicing. Angels appeared to shepherds and announced the event of the good shepherd. An unnatural and unexplainable star appeared to kings in the east and led them to the king of kings. God had become fully man and yet was still fully God and love was the reason. 
And then love knows its pinnacle of expression when a gift is given to symbolize the death of one's love. At Christmas we give gifts to many people. Sometimes we give a gift to a fellow employee. But it seldom compares to the gift we give to a family member. The cost of the gift and the thought behind the gift are often directly related to the depth of our love. The gift of God at Christmas was such a gift. The depth of his love is seen in the birth of Jesus. God sacrificed more than we can ever know to provide this gift for us. He who is never dependent on anyone or anything became a baby who was dependent on two individuals for his food, clothing, shelter, training and health. Such sacrificial love is beyond human comprehension. God asks for our love in return. He calls on us to sacrifice our plans and desires for Him, to return a measure of His love to Him. God knows we can never match His love, and He is not unreasonable in His demand. But He does ask us to give Him our lives, our talents, our possessions, and our time. The true child of God will willingly respond to God's love. He outgives us as He outloves us. Our calling is not to match His love. It is to respond with love. Do you love God? How do you show that? By answering these questions, you will show how deep your love for God really is. Whose birthday is Christmas? It is Jesus. Who gets the gift so often? We do. What about a gift for the Lord? What gift does he desire? Well, he's given the greatest gift of his love to us in Jesus. All he asks in return is that we give our lives to him and live for him daily. If you will do that, You will give God the best Christmas that he's ever had. He invites you today to receive him into your life. And if you will do that, please write to us and let us know. We'd love to hear from you. We'll give you the address a little bit later in the program.
was called A Joyful Noel with choir led by Billy Ray Hearn. To conclude our special today, let's hear from Don Marsh, his orchestra and chorus with two carols, It Came Upon the Midnight Clear and Joy to the World. Well, that's it for our special Christmas special. We trust that rolling Christmas in will be a blessing to you in these troublous times. If you haven't committed your life to Jesus, we invite you to bring him the gift of your love and life this season. And if you wish to contact us, we have an email address. It is heartandsoulmusic, one word, at bigpond.com. That's heartandsoulmusic at bigpond.com. God bless you and remember, Jesus is the reason for the season. This has been David Evans for Heart and Soul.
Come and gather round at the table In the spirit of family and friends And we'll all join hands And remember this moment Till the season comes round again Let's all try to smile for the picture And we'll hold it as long as we can May it carry us through Should we ever get lonely Till the season comes round again Shining with love from our hearts By a warm fire Let's lift our hands high And be thankful we're here Till this time next year May the new year be blessed with good tidings Till the next time I see you again If we must say goodbye Let the spirit go with you Till the season comes round again Comes round again.